You are listening to the GTT podcast from the Canadian Council of the Blind. So, welcome everyone to the CCB GTT podcast for December the 7th, 2022. We're happy to have Michael Fair back for his fourth installment of his unseen touchscreen course so welcome back michael welcome everybody in the room and everybody listening on our podcast feed hey everybody yeah it's good to be back and uh, we're on our fourth session of the of the lectures uh, there are chat sessions in between um and so this is the last lecture of of uh, unt- until january really uh, time really has flown uh, this one is about the Apple ecosystem. So basically what I'm going to be talking about today is the environment in which you operate when you pick an, an iPhone. If you choose to own an iPhone and use an iPhone, then you are participating in an ecosystem of decisions, of software, of hardware, of services, all designed to make as much money out of you as possible while hopefully be providing something of value. So those are the two objectives. And Apple takes both pretty seriously. Uh, but th- just be aware that not all decisions Apple makes are to benefit the consumer. Some of them are to benefit <coughs> Apple, either to uh, maybe make more businesses want to join in and participate uh, there are all kinds of different reasons and economic forces at play that are shaping your experience as an iPhone owner. So when I got my iPhone, I really wasn't keenly aware of this. Uh, you know, it was the new phone that was accessible and that would make uh, everything just I could just get it home and use it like anyone else. I paid the same price as anyone else for it. Didn't have to pay anything extra to make it accessible. And that's because Apple has decided to develop the screen reader and other accessibility features by itself instead of using a third party. Usually you get a computer and you'd have to get a screen reader uh, developed by another group of people to use that computer or indeed that was how it used to be for smartphones before Apple did this. Uh, you used to have to pay you know, hundreds of dollars for a screen reader to get your old cell phone to talk. Uh, now, uh, Apple has changed all that and you can go in and pay the very same price as anyone else, get an iPhone and it's instantly accessible, pretty much right out of the box. You can set it up as a blind person. We already went through the steps to how to do that in a previous lecture a little bit. And that accessibility is all part of a series of decisions that Apple has made to maximize who is gonna use their products and maximize the ease of developing. If you choose uh, to use an iPhone and you're developing an app and you decide to develop for, for iOS, that means there's only a certain number of devices that can use that app. Like it's, there's different kinds of iPhone. You know, there, there's a range of iPhones every year, and, and there are older ones that are still working years later. You have to take sort of all that into account, but it's nothing compared to Android, where you have tons of different manufacturers, different 
phones, different software that can all run Android. So Apple really has decided that in their ecosystem, they are going to control a lot more. Uh, so you can do things with an Android phone, like adjust the uh, hardware to sort of do different things uh, if you know your stuff that you can't do with an iPhone because Apple just decided to keep things simple. You know, that was one, that's one of the core things about Apple. It has to just work. It has to be simple enough for anyone to pick up and just use. And that was their philosophy behind all of that stuff. So you know, you're basically participating in a massive ecosystem of hardware, the iPhones, of course, the iPads, all of that. The software, all the apps that are participating are, are involved, the app store where you get them, of course, Apple controls that. So they can choose if someone makes a pornographic app, Apple can say, no, we don't want pornography in our place. You're not getting in. And they can enforce that. You know, Apple can say, no, you're, you're doing something we don't approve of and keep apps out of their store, which has protected Apple uh, iPhone users from a lot of the things that Android users have had to face in terms of, of really pernicious, evil apps that have you know stolen money from people and other things, Apple has decided that they will control everything in terms of that and keep watch. And they take that responsibility very seriously. And that has had a bunch of results because you can't really get pornography uh, through an app on an iPhone. That means that parents trust you, uh, trust the iPhone more, trust Apple as a business more, and are quite, you know, at ease about giving these really powerful devices to very young children, because uh, Apple has done that work in hopes of, you know, of making them feel safe. They've decided to take this approach of really keeping, making sure that, for example, parental settings are honored. Uh, you know, in, in their uh, apps, if you build an app for kids, uh, you know, you can, you can flag it as that, and then it will show up for children and adults. But if you make a, an adult rated app, and it's, and you, you have to sort of specify that to Apple as you're marketing it, well, Apple will make sure that that app doesn't appear on a, a child's iPhone if the parents are smart enough to have used their parental protection and tools that they can use to, to prevent that from happening. So that is, that's the kind of thing that you're entering when you get an iPhone is that there are all these forces going on behind the scenes sort of either gently nudging you in certain directions or you know, making life easier for you uh, and with other motives attached. Like because uh, accessibility is built into iPhones and there are only a limited number of iPhones. Well, the result of it has been that a lot of developers will develop apps for iOS first if they're going to try and make them accessible because there's a lot less to test. You only have to test for a few different things to make sure it'll work on pretty much all iPhones. So that's one big advantage we have as, as iPhone owners uh, over some other systems there are other choices now android being the main one uh and because apple has achieved such a dominant position and has held it for years and years like android is only now kind of catching up accessibility wise very recently uh to what apple has had for a long time 
and this has had the, these kind of results. They've they've really earned a lot of you know favor among the blind community and among people who want to develop apps that blind people use, and that has borne a lot of fruit for them. So, you know, there are a lot of things like that. Uh, another thing to keep in mind is Apple wants you to use their services before you go into third party. They've developed what they call a walled garden. So you're in a wonderful garden looking around at all the flowers and you might not even notice the walls at first that are barring you from straying too far. Apple doesn't really want people to feel imprisoned. They just want them not to do things uh, that, are, that might be a bit less safe. Uh, and they want you. They want people to stick to services that they manufacture. One really powerful instance of this is books. That's one that's near and dear to my heart because I'm a voracious reader. And if you get an uh, iPhone, one of the apps included on your iPhone is called Books. That app will is all, a lot of things at once. It is a bookstore. You can buy audiobooks and eBooks. In this live in this uh, app, you can also uh, it's it's it has a tab that is your library, all the books that you have bought, and you can go in and read all those books without ever having to leave the app. You could, in fact, build collections of ebooks and audiobooks, and never even bother with third-party services like Audible. You could do everything in that one app. And for, for some people, that will be absolutely fine uh, and very handy. Uh, it, it's a very well-constructed app. It's very simple to use and uh, pretty accessible. However, with a little more effort, if you learn how to use the Safari browser or other web browser, there you, you do have choice there, um, you can then go out and go to the Amazon site or other book markets. Storybundle.com is another great one. Uh, that I quite like, uh, and you can buy books and then use other apps other than the books app to read them. You know, the Amazon uh, Kindle app is a very accessible alternative, and often they'll have cheaper prices on books. And that was even more the case years ago when I started. In in I, I think it was 2014 when they finally made their book their app accessible, and uh, that was. That started me on a, a, a book buying spree of no, <laughs> no small means, um, and you know. So there's there are alternative ways of doing things, and sometimes third party developers find better ways to leverage what Apple has has done. Uh, there's an app called Fantastical that I use that takes the calendar app and the uh, reminders app and kind of combines all of those resources into one app and you can go through and see your reminders with deadlines as well as your appointments in the same app if you're using something like fantastical but if you use the calendar you won't see the deadlines that your reminders have because they're completely they're, they're separate things apple treats reminders as completely separate from the calendar so there are a lot of things like that uh, apple you know makes some decisions to to keep things in its estimation more tidy um so you know these things are uh, there are some big advantages uh you know in terms of that and then there are some of these disadvantages that are 
you know, Apple trying to make businesses, uh, for example, pay for use in their store. So there is a cost to keeping an app in the app store. You can't just develop an app, stick it there and leave it and expect it to just rake in the bucks. You will be paying a fee uh, to keep that app there. So it better make more than that fee is, or you'll be losing money. Uh, you know, things like that. So just be aware that, you know, change is a constant in this environment because of that, you know, the apps will eventually disappear. Uh, stuff that you, you purchase, uh, you should enjoy right away, just in case, you know, there might be a time when it, it might, for whatever reason, not be available anymore. Uh, doesn't happen too often with Apple. Um, but every once in a while, something like that can uh, can happen, or accessibility changes can happen, uh, which makes things less accessible. Um, you know, because Apple develops the hardware and the software, you know there are you know for a, a most most of the time, it's a great thing that that same company is developing both for accessibility. I mean, it's great. You never have to worry about your tool, your screen reader being out of date. Uh, because it will always be as up to date as your iPhone is in terms of iOS, so that's you don't have to bother with that as much. You know, you just have to update the one thing, and everything gets updated. It's very simple. But the disadvantage is, you know, if I had a problem, and you know, it was uh, we've seen that with Braille, especially people who use Braille displays. I mean, there have been some major issues with that, and. Sometimes it takes a long, long time for those issues to get fixed. You will see update after update for iOS, and you'll think every time, oh, might this be the time that that my issue is finally addressed and I'll be able to use my Braille display effectively again? Nope, nope, just updates to the camera and other things that more people use. And, you know, it's that's the thing. We're a small part of a very big picture, a picture of a lot of complex moving parts. And... Apple really does care about accessibility. That's they do. They go well out of their way to promote accessibility, to have events that feature accessibility, uh, to teach developers about accessibility features and how to use them. But they don't force anyone to make their apps accessible. They do everything short of force to basically encourage accessibility. And so we can't access absolutely everything in that has been developed for Apple. Basically, Apple makes sure that its own apps are accessible, but there's nothing that really forces developers to do that. They can just decide not to use those tools. And some do, unfortunately. Uh, some of it is lack of awareness on the part of the developer. Other times it's just, I don't care, I'm not making enough money to do this and you know, I'm a small business and get out of my hair kind of thing. You, you find that as well. Uh, so, you know, that's the environment that we're operating in. It's, you know, there's the subscriptions, of course, the services that you subscribe to, uh, for example, music. Um, you know, I used to buy albums on iTunes all the time and you'd be dropping nine, 10 bucks on an album and uh, it would certainly add up over the month. Meanwhile, now for years, I've been subscribed to Apple Music Plus and you have suddenly access to every all the music you could want uh, more than you could listen to it several lifetimes. And you, you basically don't have to keep buying albums. You just have to keep buying that smaller fee of like, I think it was seven something a month or something like that. 
as long as you keep paying the, paying the fee, you're golden. You got the music. Uh, 30 million songs or more. I think it's closer to 70 million now. It's gone up. Um, and uh, so that that has completely satisfied my musical uh, needs, really. I have never kind of run into a situation where I've felt, well, they don't have the song I want, and that's it. I'm, you know, hightailing it. You know, it's not going to happen, <laughs> right? So Apple, you know, there's that slight friction element, uh, like I was pointing out with the Kindle example earlier. Apple never wants you to force you to say, use one of their services, use Apple TV instead of Netflix. You can use Netflix. Uh, you have to go to their site and subscribe uh, you know, on their site. Um, they, there, there are small kind of inconveniences like that. You're never imprisoned. You're just kind of subtly nudged you know, towards using Apple's stuff. Uh, you know, and that's the kind of thing that that you will be running into constantly with, uh, you know, with these these things. You know, for blind people, uh, you know, this is there's a huge advantages because we can, you know, even if we can't access absolutely everything, we can access a lot more than in any other ecosystem I've ever been a part of, and that has a massive social advantages if you can use the same thing that your sighted peers are using and they can they realize that oh he can use an iphone you know then it becomes you know often people look at us as as blind people and they think oh you know that's the worst like i'd much rather you know, it, it can be really it, it's one of the most fear inducing thoughts losing one's sight for people if they have never sort of had that experience and but if they see you using a device like an iPhone and they realize it's, this isn't some specialty blind device full of mysterious buttons and dots and things. This is an iPhone, the same flat screen as I look at all the time. You know, they're just they're touching it the same way I do, maybe a little differently. And that, it can be a heck of an icebreaker. You know, if I can watch a movie on Netflix, you know, have my, you know, use the descriptive audio to really understand everything that has happened, then I can have a conversation with someone cited about that movie. And, you know, that can be a massive connection point. Uh, and that, that's a really big advantage if you go the Apple route uh, in, in, or Android, indeed, if, if you can get the same kind of level of accessibility for what you need, um, you know, you can tap into that and can really make ice breaking a lot easier. So there's, there's that aspect. The other thing too is since you've got the hardware, you've got tons of hardware in an iPhone. You've got the, you know, the GPS, the, the camera, the artificial intelligence chips, the, all this really expensive miniaturized hardware. Well, then you know, this, if someone can build an app that takes advantage of all of that hardware. And you know, they, you know, if, if X number of blind people have iPhones, they already know that that, that market is going to be big if they develop something that a lot of people like and you you can bank on that you can get results that really help uh you know blind people out and do it a lot more cheaply than uh with you know with other uh, specialty devices you know i i have a trekker breeze uh, somewhere in a drawer that i haven't used in years and years the battery is probably completely rotted uh that you know it was a specialty device it probably costs like $800 or more uh, and meanwhile, this iPhone, which I would have gotten anyway because I needed a phone and I needed other things, 
happens to have GPS, happens to you know have a lot of apps developed to you know help people use uh, who are blind in that way to help them navigate. So you know, and I maybe paid like twenty dollars for that app, or, or maybe a lot of it is free. You can use the Maps app. You can use stuff that's already built in, uh, or things like Google Maps. Uh, which is free for everybody to use. It just is ad supported and such, and uh, you can uh, you can get a lot of mileage out of that as a blind person. So you can pick and choose where you want your accessibility dollars to go. Whether you, there might be some things that you need a blind specific app for, and someone will probably have developed one that you can use. Another thing is a lot of apps like banking apps shopping apps, things like that are made accessible because they know that enough blind people own iPhones that it's going to be worth doing to, you know, not only look good, that's a big element in this too for, for companies, but also enable blind people to take advantage of what you're offering. So there are a lot of really big advantages that happen when you tap into an ecosystem that's not just for blind people, but is for millions upon millions of users there's i think there's something there's hundreds of millions of iphones out there in the world especially now that china's really gotten into consuming them as well as making them uh so this is a, a really big ecosystem and that that has it, since apple has done the work to invite us in uh it, it it's offered us something really unique in in life of, of blindness and accessibility uh options that uh, we really haven't had before now. So one of the other things is economics of owning an iPhone. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm on a fixed income and so are a lot of people who are blind. Uh, it's, it's just the state of how things are now. And you can, if you think of an iPhone as a multi-tool, as something you're going to use to do a lot of different things, then it becomes a more justifiable experience, right? To, to get one of these things. Cause these iPhones, you've got the upfront costs of, of getting the iPhone, of course, you either pay by contract or you pay by, uh, you know, the uh, outright, yeah, you can buy them just at once and pay the whole thing. Then you have the plan, the data plan, the, the cell plan. And then you have, now that you've got this iPhone, it's what do you want to what do you want to do with it, and that leads to okay, uh, it's my stereo because I play music with it. So good, you get earpods or you get uh, maybe HomePod Minis. You send the music to, so there's a bit more change money you're sending up to get that. Uh, there's I want to play games, so there's some apps that you purchase to you know, different games and things like that. Uh, I want to uh, take pictures and. Uh, have the have sighted people tell me what they are or have artificial intelligence recognize them well there are apps to do that so in services right you want to pay for apple's block of services so you've got in my case apple one uh is the subscription uh, i choose the the highest level of that so i get two terabytes of icloud space i probably will never use anything close to that amount but it's there if i need it i have apple fitness which i'm starting to use more uh, Apple Music, which I use a lot. Apple News Plus, which I, I use quite a bit. That's lets you read magazines and news articles and things. Uh, you know, there's other services. Apple TV is included. Uh, there, Apple TV is 
one of these things that all their services are, all the things that, that Apple ma makes as original content have audio description. So that's a lot of content every month, pretty much, that is just there that you can just you know absorb and know that it's always going to be described. And they don't cheap out on the sound. You get in, in as good quality sound with the descriptive audio track as you do without it. Other, other uh, services don't offer that. So there are always these little things that Apple does to kind of keep you there and make you think about, you know, I, it's, it's because I'm using Apple TV, Apple Music, Apple News, maybe I, it just as well if I subscribe to the Apple One tier, maybe pay, pay for a little more than I'm using, but I'll certainly enjoy. I don't feel at all robbed by Apple it's a, you know, for me, it's been a very good investment. I feel I'm getting my money's worth. So I'm a pretty happy customer overall. Uh, other people, you know, they might find out years later that, oh, if I had done a little more work, I could have saved money on books because I could have found other source, other places to get them. And uh, that might have been uh, more to my liking than, than it was just so easy to keep going with Apple books that I never really looked out. Right. So Part of what I'm doing in this lecture is hopefully making you aware that there are other options and that you should look for, you know, those other options if you can, uh, and just make sure you're, you're making choices, you know, use the app as much of the Apple stuff as you can. I think they, they generally offer you pretty good value for money. Just be aware that there, there are times when if this, you know, going a bit farther, looking a bit farther afield might yield really better results in, in some places. Um, so, you know, in terms of, of owning iPhones and, and purchasing, you know, look at what you're going to use it for. Look at, you know, maybe arranging your subscriptions so that the bill, you know, the payment of those subscriptions for different things comes due when you can afford to pay them, right? You can subscribe, subscribe to things annually or monthly. Uh, Apple gives you a lot of tools to sort of customize this stuff and you're never locked in you know in terms of of uh when it comes to services you can change you know between months and you know and, unless you've signed up for an annual plan and already paid in which case you know any changes would happen after right like after you'd still you, you're never going to lose money uh you know you only have to pay things once in terms of you know something you've purchased right so that's the other thing. You know, the iCloud part of what's happening is is your all your purchases you make with Apple are connected to your Apple ID. So even if something happens to your iPhone, you can still tap in, you know, get a new phone, uh, in and then use it to, you know, get all your services and apps and everything. You never have to sort of purchase anything again, uh, you know, unless you lose your Apple ID somehow, unless you lose track of the password, you can't get in or something like that. Uh, you need to know that information. As long as you have your Apple ID and password, and uh, you know can prove that you're you, uh, you know Apple will want to keep you a happy customer, and they'll do what they can to to help. So, you know this is you know some of the stuff that you should consider, right? As as you're you're looking into you know the different services you'll encounter that Apple offers you, uh, and the different apps. The App Store economics, they're getting better, thank goodness. Uh, developers have had a really tough go of it, uh, often to keep apps afloat. Uh, so just be aware that there are, there are business forces at work that are 
not always to the consumer's benefit. And to some degree, I think that's a good thing. You know, we've lost a lot of good apps because people wanted them so cheap and objected to higher prices for things. And a lot of developers just can't sustain that you can't always get new sales. And that's basically what they ended up having to do is chase new sales to just keep afloat. And uh, eventually the app, they couldn't and the apps would disappear. So I think Apple has, is, is kind of finding new ways to stabilize now a bit more. And that's good for us that, that, you know, I'm happy to pay a subscription if I know it's supporting a developer, keeping it going, you know, something that I really value. Like the Ulysses app that I wrote the guide with, you know, that's something that is a subscription app. I'm paying every year about 30, uh, I think it's $36 because I got a special rate um, when, when they switched to a subscription mode. And I've noticed since that they've been a lot more thoughtful about how they've developed the app. It's not all new flashy features. They're really putting the time in to get things right and develop it stably. And I'm very happy about that. You know, it's it's allowed them to to think differently and not have to just chase dollars all the time. And that so that's one advantage I've seen of the of the subscription uh, to apps um, that that has has become more regular than it used to be. Uh, so, you know, keep in mind, like when you're subscribing to things, you can manage it all from in the app store and in the, uh, in your, my account, and then, uh, go into subscriptions and there you'll see all the subscriptions and you can, you can change them, uh, change, look at the different plans, you know, and just decide what, what is worth paying for and what isn't, uh, that's all up to you. So. Hopefully, uh, this will get you, give you a little more awareness as you make those decisions, as you're trying things out and really figuring out what you want your iPhone to be for you. You know, mine is a replacement computer. You know, mine does everything pretty much if I can. If, if I can find a way to make it do it, I'll put in the effort to, you know, to do that so that I don't have to lug around a laptop. I've made that choice and that has come with some consequences. Uh, you know, portability being a really nice one, but every once in a while, there's there might be something that I can't that I I might need a computer for. That hasn't happened in months and months. It's possible though, um, you know. But that's that's part of owning an iPhone, really deciding what you want to use it for, and uh, and making those choices accordingly. I've spent a small fortune probably on books for, for my library. Um, and I've done that mostly on Kindle because I'm not as happy with Apple's books app as I am with the Kindle app, among others, and the voice stream reader uh, in some websites where I can buy books without digital rights, digital rights management um, and uh, you know, use apps like voice stream reader to read those unprotected books. So you know, there are things that Apple has done you know, because it's, it's you know, they want to attract other businesses and make sure they feel safe. So I can't give anyone a book I bought on Kindle because Apple just doesn't allow, there's no way to do that from an iPhone. You cannot, it's just not possible. Same with, uh, you know, the books app, you, unless the book is unprotected, uh, doesn't have digital rights protection, you can't export it. You can't really do anything with that book other than read it in the app to which it belongs. So in Kindle's case, that, that is the Kindle app. There's no other app I can use to read Kindle books. I have thousands of books that on Kindle, and uh, I need that app to read those books. 
Uh, that's the kind of thing that Apple does that that might you know be a bit less to your advantage. You might want to give a book to a friend or something, and Apple says no. That friend is going to have to pay for that book. Uh, there are some facilities for lending books, I believe. I've never really done that, uh, but then of course you're going without that book as long as you're lending it, of course, right? So it's not like just being able to copy it and give away a copy. It's a different thing. So that Apple will put in those safeguards. Uh, to make sure that everything is as secure as possible and so that no one gets at your information without you knowing. That is a big selling point now with, with Apple. And that you can't steal stuff that you know is, is not really yours to share, for example, with someone who hasn't bought a, a book or an album or something. Uh, you know, if, if someone also has is subscribed to the music app, well, then you can you can send them a link and they'll be able to play the album just as well. Uh, but if someone is on Android maybe and doesn't subscribe to the Apple Music app, then then they can't add that album to their playlists and have it function, uh, you know, in the same way because they're not an Apple Music subscriber. So, you know, there are barriers like that 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 make it safer for businesses and artists and, and creatives to put their work in you know, make it available for users of iPhones. And that's all part of the system as well. You know, there's a lot going on behind the scenes. And I don't think a lot of us really think about it as we start using our iPhones and making those early choices as to what we want to subscribe to. Uh, we don't take the time to look around as much as we should, I think, and, and ask, like, what's everyone else using? What is, what might I like better given my particular circumstances you know so for me i'm i'm a kindle basically i've been pulled into the kindle orbit when it comes to books i've been pulled into the, the apple orbit when it comes to music i've you know and uh those are choices that have really suited me i i love apple tv they've they've really done amazingly high quality programs so <coughs> i'm very uh very happy with with that choice uh, although I will, I do use uh, other services from time to time. I like my Netflix every now and then. Uh, I like my Prime, uh, but Apple TV would be the very last to go if I start having to cut things. Right. So there are a lot of, and that's partly because it's wrapped up in the big Apple One subscription that I've subscribed to. So it, it's simpler for me to keep that as is, and I will cut other things first because I don't really want to change that. Um, and that's part of what Apple has has moved me into that position over time. And I I've been a a, a willing uh, you know participant in that. I you know, but there are some people who might you know not choose to do it that way, and and maybe only subscribe to a few services that they really need, and and you know just ignore the rest and uh, things like that, and maybe pick alternatives that they prefer. You can use Dropbox. Uh, you you don't have to you have to use some iCloud to back up your iPhone, but beyond that, uh, you could do everything else with Dropbox or other third-party cloud services. If you needed more storage space, you could store your photos with Amazon. Uh, they have a cloud service, uh, so you could do something like that if you really wanted to. Uh, I don't. I'm not going to bother jumping through those hoops for photos I can't even look at. I'm fine with them just being in Apple's iCloud. So that's. You know the kind of decision, the kind of kind of uh, web that we're a part of, 
operating in the, the house that Apple built, you know, the ecosystem that they've made of businesses and services and software that all kind of extend outward from these little slabs of glass that we have that we're using every day to do so many different things. So hopefully that gives people uh, a good idea of, of the kind of territory you're entering into. Uh, and hopefully you'll just be that bit of where that little bit of, is this what I want? You know, just think that as you go through, as you check things, you know, read Apple's very good at, at sort of not ever imprisoning you, never, not ever sort of blocking you for any, from things that you really want to do as long as they're kind of wholesome and legal and stuff. Uh, but they do kind of nudge you in various ways to use their services uh, where possible. So hope that gives you uh, some idea. Thank you very much, Michael, for this uh, next installment. And it will be posted on our podcast feed and we will be excited to begin the fifth installment in January. Thank you for listening to the GTT podcast from the Canadian Council of the Blind. There are many ways to get in touch with us. You can call us toll-free at one 304 You can follow our GTT blog at gttprogram.blog. If you'd like to subscribe to our email support list, you can send a blank email to gttsupport plus sign subscribe at groups.io. And you can follow the Canadian Council of the Blind on the web at ccbnational.com.